everyone, and welcome to Minute 88 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Dana Nachman, award-winning documentary director, producer, and a whole bunch of other hats that we'll probably talk about over the next uh, two days that Dana will be with us. Who knows? Welcome to the show, Dana. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that we were able to find time that you could you could be on the show. I I enjoyed having you on first season, so I wanted to have you back again, so we can talk you know uh, director stuff or basically crew stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That? And, and it worked out. And it worked out that that the scenes that you got to talk about will be very much related to the crew. <laughs> <laughs> Good. For for better for worse. What can you do? Yeah. You know that's yeah. that's the that's the way these things work. That sometimes. You know, you, you get scenes where there is more to talk about, and sometimes you get scenes that where you think there might be less to talk about, but then you sometimes will get minutes where we just talk about credits, and credits are, are, are an important part in movies also. Yeah, I was a little confused when I was looking at the end. I was like, wait, it's over, and those are my minutes. I don't get it. But <laughs> so it's not over. That's the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, come on. When 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 you do a, a film, you know, you've, you've directed I think, was it six six movies. Eight movies? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember. One, one of the two. Six You've... feature movies. Yeah, Six I've feature. done three shorts, and right. I'm on my second series. Yep. Okay, and series, fine. they just uh, go really fast or have none at all. Credit. <laughs> exactly. That's true. But, you know, when, when you're doing a documentary, you know, a, a full-length documentary, so you have hundreds, if not thousands of people that are working on it. So you need to give them credit regardless. You know, it's not a question of of just being wanting, of wanting to, to skimp on that. So, no, yeah. you know, the credits is an important aspect of, of a movie. I remember years and years ago when I worked in high tech, I was, I was in a company that they were producing uh, CD-ROMs that were basically encyclopedias, which it was obviously before the internet started becoming more popular. This was back in 1995 or six, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And so there were CD-ROMs where they were where they were selling, you know, they were selling these CD-ROMs, which were basically online encyclopedias. And I was doing QA there. And one of the things they told me is is that you know when you're going through QA, you find bugs. But even if you find bugs in the credits, you're supposed to let them know. So for instance, I had to tell them I, I felt a little uncomfortable that one of the bugs that I had to report was the fact that my name was not in the credits. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, you know, That's very I, rude. yeah, I mean, we sign like every contract we have with people specifically says what you're obligated to do in the credits. Uh, so it, it's a serious, you know, like really just below what they get paid. So it's very serious. Wait, what does that mean? What does that mean that it's what you're obligated to do in the credits? It means, you know, if you sign a contract to work on a film, um, you know, it says, you're a work for hire in this film and this is what you get paid. And then there's a whole section on credits. So, you know, Same uh, where you're, where you're going to be listed in the credits or yeah, where you're going to be listed, what you're going to be listed as um, that, you know, if for some reason, like the buyer, it depends if it's, you know, a film or show that's um, already bought, like if it's going to go to Netflix, you know, they'll, you, you probably will know ahead of time what the credits um are but like sometimes if you like a lot of films I do I make first and then sell them later so you don't really know what the outlet is gonna like they might just say no credits or they might say the credits have to be short or they might say you know whatever so our 
all of our contracts really lay out exactly what you'll what credit you'll get or not get, or it's at the discretion of the buyer, it, but it's part of the contract. Oh, wow. But, but who, who makes the decision of who's in the credits? I mean, is that the, the producer, the director, or is that some uh, other, other crew member who decides? I mean, it would be the producer. So like, for instance, in the thing I'm working on now, which is a series, um, it, I, you know, I haven't actually looked at what it says, but it'll probably say something like, like for, for all crew members, other than like director, you know, me and, and the producers for everybody else, it'll say something like, if there are credits, you'll, you, you know, your credit, your name will be this and your credit will be this, but it will give us an out in case we can't do credits. Like we're, we're out of time or whatever. Um, but for the, producers it'll say like producers is always a big thing like of who goes first if they get their own page uh if they you know are ahead of other producers like that's all mapped out in the contracts oh wow and also like how many seconds it appears on screen is that also one thing um usually uh i'm sure some people have it you know if you want john hughes or you know if you wanted john hughes or somebody like that you know, they might say, yeah, it has to be on for 10 seconds or whatever. But most of the ones that I see, it's more like in the first position or the second position, you know, meaning like my name has to be, Dana Nachman has to be before, you know, whoever's name. And then, um, and also it, it will say something like, I'll have, no, you know, whoever it is, like might, can't have an inferior position to somebody else. Like it, it's all mapped out. It's not seconds as much as it's like um, they call it sometimes most favored nations, like like every, what the best credit has, I have. You know what I mean? Something like that. Oh, wow. Like so one person can't be in like a mega font and the other person really small. It has to be all the same, that kind of stuff. Well, but again, you're saying it's the producer who makes these decisions or or once, yeah, once I mean, it's sold, it, it also goes the... to whatever the company is. It can be part of a negotiation, like, you know, um, but then, you know, it has to also have some caveat that if then the distributor says no, everything's thrown out the window, you know what I mean? So, right. uh, like, cause you, you know, you would, nobody would want any to hold up a deal because of one stupid credit, you know, so there has to be an out that, you know, as long as the distributor says it's okay, this is what we'll do, that kind of thing. Interesting. And I mean, I know you don't work on, on feature films, but do you, does it work the same way in feature films? Because oh, there, yeah. there's, but there you have like SAG and you have, you know, all the different uh, right. guilds that will right. require like certain I'm things. I'm in the Directors Guild and in the Directors Guild, I believe it's that the director has to have the closest credit to the title, like an opening credits. That's the other thing. Like some people demand they want to be in the opening credits, but then, you know, the creators don't want to be bound to that. Like for instance, right now, the thing I'm doing, I'm not going to have credits in the open. So anything I would have had people sign would say, if there's credits in the open, this will happen, but we're not obligated to have credits just to put your credit in, you know what okay. I mean? No, yeah, but of the course. director's credit has to be closest to the picture. So like meaning if it was in the front, if it's credits in the beginning, um, it has to be right before picture. And if it's credit, after I think it has to be the first one after, but I, I, it sometimes it's not like that. I think I, I'm not exactly sure, but there's rules in the director's guild. Cause I think sometimes the one right after is the production manager, you notice. Um, but maybe that's because when, when the director's at the beginning, it doesn't have to be bo on both ends of the picture, but it has to be 
Um, Interesting. But now maybe, maybe I'm just bullshit. I don't exactly know the answer. <laughs> Could be. It's fine. Well, you know, you know more than I do because you're in the director's <laughs> guild. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know their rules. I, I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even try and claim to to say that I know their rules. For yeah. Sure. And I no, but there's also the whole thing. There's also the whole thing that sometimes you have where it'll say, you know, a film by Dana Nachman or yeah. or Dana a a Dana Nachman film or yeah. things like that, you know. Which I has, think that you can decide. I mean, my films are such that so far all the films have been produced and directed by me, so I can decide. But I think if um if somebody was going to hire me to direct and I wanted a film by, which I don't really, I wouldn't ever, I think I have on one of my shorts, I did a film by, but I think I've come to, to think I don't want to ever do that because it's really not a film by one person, in my opinion. I mean, it's a many, many people. Uh, so I hate to kind of claim it. I mean, I think for the one that I did, it was like, I wrote it, I directed it. I mean, the whole thing, it was largely me, but I still, I think philosophically, I'm not into that anymore. <laughs> No, you know that that makes sense. You're right. I mean, that, that that's the whole point of this this whole discussion is the fact that yeah. that a a movie is not made by one person. A movie is made by thousands of people, and yes. you have to give them credit, even if it's just for for two seconds. You know, as as it's scrolling up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting too, and I think a lot of people are are more motivated by credits than I am. But like, I think like because IMDb is such a big. Um, for our industry is such a, you know, the, what is it, how do you, what's it called? Internet movie database. I mean, mm -hmm. it's such a big website that like means probably more than on-screen credits at this point, because right when, you know, you Google me or anybody else in the industry, you know, for a job, you're thinking of hiring them. You like their film. You want to look at other, uh, other films by them. Like things like that's almost that credit and where it's placed and ha make sure it's right is more important almost than anything that would be at the end, especially with streaming now that it, I mean, you almost like so often I want to watch the credits and we didn't get there fast enough and they're gone, you know, to, oh, wow. you know yeah. So. <laughs> no, but then, Stupid. then you just go to IMDb and you say, okay, what was who exactly. got that role and stuff like that. And I you do know, that all the time. Like, you know, so in, like this was shot beautifully. Who was the cinematographer? Who did, what, other, what else did they work on? I mean, it's a really great resource. And you've, and you've hired people based on that? Um, I don't know that I ever, I mean, definitely it's part of my hiring process. Like I'm trying to think, yeah, I mean, so usually what happens is I get somebody's referred to me. Then I, before I reach out, I go to IMDb, definitely right. look at all their credits, but it's hard. I mean, it depends what role it's for. Like if it's for an editor, that's easier. Cause usually there's only one editor, maybe two. Um, so you can know, but like for shooters, like DPs, it's a little harder because there's usually several of them, not in, not in scripted movies as much, but in documentaries, there are a lot of DPs and you don't exactly know which things that they did versus other things. And so, but I definitely want to uh, like look at what they did, who they worked with. And then if I know somebody who worked on that, I'll call up and say, Hey, what was this person like to work with? So it's a huge right. tool. Right. Yeah. For sure. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we, 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 we had this whole preface before we even got into the minute, but that was great. I know. You know we'll, we'll continue. Don't worry. Don't worry. So <laughs> minute 88 begins with a free shot of Dell, uh, looking on sadly, as everyone remembers the, the episode yesterday, we had Dell watching as Neil and Susan uh, embrace and kiss after not having seen each other for at least three days, if not more. <laughs> we, we we don't know. No, we're never sure how long this trip really was. You know, did 
you know, we know that he left New York on Tuesday and he's getting to Chicago Thursday late afternoon, I guess you could say. But we don't know, you know, did he get there Tuesday morning for the meeting? Was he there for the weekend? You know, was he there for two weeks? Who knows? You know, that doesn't really make a difference. The 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 minute ends with a credit for Neil Machlis, who was one of the executive producers of this movie. So we're going to talk today all about uh, credits. But but before we get there, I'm actually going to take a little sidestep because one of the things that that I do in every one of these episodes is I mentioned the differences between the shooting. The, the, the shooting script and the final cut, which there is a huge difference between them. Now, Dana, do you have any idea how long this movie originally was, the first cut of this movie was? The, the final cut is 93 minutes. What would be your guess? As, as a director, as a producer, you know, you cut things down. What would you say the average is of what the, the first cut probably was? Um, I don't know. I'll I tell you say, that whatever your answer is, is going to be wrong for this movie. Oh, so, uh, I would so, say like two to two and a half hours. Okay, this movie, the first cut that John Hughes gave in was three hours and 45 minutes. Oh my God. Okay, and the script that I've been using to 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 go through here is a, I think, 150 pages, wow. which is which is really long for a comedy. And they apparently filmed everything. And we've also come across minutes that don't appear in the script, meaning there there are minutes that, that they must have ad-libbed Improv, that are not yeah. even in the script. So That's his cool. first cut was was three hours and 45 minutes. I mean, last, last year we talked about The Great Escape. This is an hour longer than The Great Escape. Okay. Wow. And, and if you want to talk about how much they cut, so they cut two hours and 12 minutes. <laughs> from from the thing they cut an entire movie and i came to the realization what movie did, they cut out die hard from this movie oh my gosh which which is you know which is kismet for me but wow. you know, did you read the whole thing like did it seem interesting there, yeah there yeah was... yeah it's it's very interesting i well, mean I, read. I, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a copy if you want yeah send me a copy okay it's it's really interesting and part of the whole thing is is that many of the subplots that they cut out I'm glad they cut out because it would have changed the tone and structure of a lot of things that are going on here, but it's still fun to, to read and learn more about all these characters. I mean, there's a whole subplot in the movie where Susan is suspecting him of cheating on her and that he's having an affair. And every single time they have a conversation, she hangs up on him. Oh, so that's the the tension. Yes. A lot more of their yeah, of why and, they're home, right. other than it just being sentimental. Exactly, and again, they cut that out. So the editor, which we'll we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later in this minute, the the editor just did an amazing job because they were able to cut parts of lines out. I mean, they they filmed the whole the whole the whole scene, and in the end, they give us you know a, a, a cut version of it that still flows. You know, and, sure. and sometimes, and sometimes it's in the middle of a conversation, the, the way they cut it. I mean, again, it's it's amazing reading the script. That's you know. so. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it kind of like I guess in a way with that last couple minutes. Um, I mean, I feel like it was a little bit of a disconnect, um, slightly between how emotional they were, and that what the you know, that, that he was only gone for a short time. Um, 
but in the original script, it must have been much more meaningful of why she was so upset. You know right. what I mean? Exactly, because if they're if they're arguing the whole time, it's it's a little bit of an issue. And but now she sweet. realizes that he was telling the truth that he was with this guy named Dell. Yeah, that's in, that's very interesting. But yeah, I think tonally it would have changed it. Like it's much more slapstick the way that they made it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she's 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 supportive, even though you know Layla Robbins, which we'll we'll talk about her in a few minutes. Also, I mean, most of her stuff is on the cutting room floor. <laughs> I know she really didn't have a big part. I no. wonder um, how John Hughes felt about all the cutting. Do you have any? Did you ever hear anything about that? No, he he did the cut. He's the, the one who cut. made the final. No, he made the first oh. cut, and he also made the final cut. Oh, so and he didn't mind, or like nobody gave apparently, him a... apparently not. I wonder if anybody gave him like an ultimatum. I, I don't think if in 1987 someone would have given John Hughes an ultimatum. You know, he mm-hmm. was he was at, at the top at that point. You know, after yeah. after some of the other movies that he had just come it's out, so out with. So drastic, though. I wonder what maybe they just weren't getting good feedback or. But I love tight movies. I mean, I think this is a great example of yeah. a very tight movie. I mean, completely. I completely and it really said something about their craft that they were able to make a great movie cutting a whole movie out i mean that's yes. really because you can lose you can lose track like i i think it's much easier when your roadmap is more um just specific and it's the the more you have to mess around with big big things i think the harder it gets much harder yeah. to make a good thing yeah completely i mean the whole the whole scene with uh, michael mckean okay that apparently takes place in wisconsin you know, there's a whole extra part where they overshot Chicago and ended up in Wisconsin. Oh, God. <laughs> They're like, and they, cut, cut that and, off. And again, they were able to cut it so that it, we don't know that they were in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You know, which really works. That's fine. So, yeah. so what I wanted to mention about the script here is, is even though we've theoretically finished the, the movie, so there there's a final scene in the script that was filmed, but they never, they, they never used it. Right? So they... You know, the, the movie ends with Dell looking at Susan and Neil, who are now happily once again together. But the script itself, here, I'll, I'll, I'll go through it. It shows them at the, they're, they're all sitting around the, the Thanksgiving table. And then Dell says, uh, it's been a long time since I sat behind a turkey. And then Susan says, well, it might be a little overdone. And Dell says, I want to thank you all for letting me be a part of your holiday. You'll never know how much it means to me. I've always had a lot of things to be thankful for, but never more than right now. And then Neil says, same here, pal. Susan responds, Marty, which is their daughter, do you want to say something? So Marty looks at her for a moment. Susan nods to her to help her remember what she has to say. And then Marty says, oh, oh yeah. Keep high the board with what? uh, Plentious cheer. Plentious cheer? Do you never you ever heard the word plentious? No. That's really weird. <laughs> plenteous? Huh. Maybe plenteous? I don't know. Plenteous cheer. And then Marty continues with plenteous cheer and gather to the what? Feast. Feast and she thinks as hard as she can. Then Dell and uh answers and says, Toast the sturdy pilgrim band. So Marty responds, Toast the sturdy pilgrim band, and then the two of them together, whose courage never ceased. And then everyone joins in. I've never heard that 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 poem before that they're that they're they're describing here. And then everyone says together, "Give praise to that Almighty Gracious One." And then you see a shot from the foyer that says, "We hold on to the trunk, sitting in the middle of the room as the voices spill out from the dining room." 
And then you hear everyone say, by whom their steps were led and thanks unto the harvest Lord who sends our daily bread. And then little Neil says, amen. And Dell says, amen. And then it fades out with the end titles. So I'm actually glad they cut this out. <laughs> this yeah. doesn't add anything to it. It makes it, it makes it feel like, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, the end of Scrooge or something like that, you know, where everyone's happily sitting at the table and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they cut it out. Uh, even, even just reading it, it doesn't sound like it fits in with the movie, except for the fact that it shows that Dell is quickly accepted by the family. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing you get. From I it. kind of thought the last shot was sort of a cop out last shot. I didn't like that choice, and I was, I was like, thought it was weird. Um, and I guess if it were me, I would have uh, taken that last scene, except for cut it at the, you know, sitting behind a turkey. And then you could have had a, like a cute little joke, like you know, if they were sitting next to each other. Like you're the turkey, you're the turkey. Like getting back to their like kind of hating on each other type at, very quickly, and, and then like out. pulling, and then pulling out with the music at that point. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Because then it's like keeping with their relationship, but sweetly. Uh, I would just, I mean, because that doesn't seem very long. I mean, I think that could be like a minute, you know, or yeah, less. Exactly. I, I, I would do that because the end, like the end, like I the thing that bothered me about the freeze frame was it made the movie all about him. Like the last shot was about like him being happy where like and then you know i went you know you're supposed to theoretically tie the last shot to the first shot of the movie so i went back to see what the first shot of the movie was first shot um, is a picture of a building right the gm the gm building yeah and then a tight shot on the watch and he's yeah. in a rush and so like it really didn't and the movie was much more focused on steve martin's character you know, and then the relationship. So I thought that was just a weird ending because it was like, okay, now he's happy or whatever he was, um, you know, like happy he's included. I, it just was a bit of a disconnect. So I think you could you could kind of tie it back to the, he wanted to get home and now he's home. So I just don't think it should be on him at all. Like, Right. Okay. So. No, I, I agree with you. I, I it, it does seem a little strange having that because again, if you look at the, the whole movie, Neil has a much stronger and better arc than Dell does. Dell doesn't change yeah. throughout the movie. No. Dell remains the same, but he, he... finds a surprise out that he's a widow or right. Um, but yeah, so I think that's a big like that would, and I think this movie is amazing. Like I don't think it has a lot of flaws in it. So I think it's kind of interesting that that's the that I I think that's the biggest flaw in my mind was the thing. I mean maybe it's only because you asked me to look specifically at <laughs> that one second. So. Could be, could be, but but it still worked. Why not? Yeah. And yeah. and and then the credits begin. You know, we, yeah. we up until now we've had the instrumental of the song uh, "Every Time You Go Away, You Take a Piece of of Me With You," mm -hmm. right? Which I I did a little bit of research. It's it's very interesting. I mean the the song was originally written. By uh, John Hall mm -hmm. from uh, from Hall and Oates, and he th so th they actually sung it first, mm -hmm. and then there there are some very interesting covers that were that were done to the song. First of all, you have sorry, it was it, uh, the no the original is from Daryl Hall and John Oates. I think I just I mixed those up. It wasn't John Hall? It was Daryl Hall and John Oates. You know, I knew Which, it was all the notes. I, I, um, my friend Kirk Kinney, who's going to be on your next installment, he uh, just did a short. Um, he edited uh, a short on them. 
And really? I, and I, I gave notes for him, and uh, it's very, it's very, very good. So just FYI. No, great. Well, I'll, I'll have to, I'll, I, I'll have I to check that out. Be on, I think it's going to be, on, it's going to be on some streaming. He can tell you. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll mention to him. I'll mention to him that 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 you that you mentioned it to me, and you know, he, you know, I've I've never met Kurt. I've spoken to him so much online and stuff like that, but uh, you know, which I'm finally glad that he agreed to be on season three. So we'll we'll get him then. Yeah, he's a very talented maker. Yes, 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 yes. I <laughs> I I fell in love with with uh, the first movie I saw of his. It's one of my all time favorite movies. Well, which one was it? Which do you think? Dear Zachary. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I've, I, I, I've seen it uh, probably like seven or eight times already. Oh my god, I've seen yeah. it like one time because I can't. I, it's very difficult. I don't know. How it's, I didn't say. It, I didn't say it's not difficult to watch, but it's, yeah. it's just, it's one of the most amazing movies I've seen. I mean, I like your documentaries too, but no offense, Dear Zachary <laughs> is my favorite documentary of all time. I mean, that's awesome. You know, yeah. he, you know, he, um, he edited my film Bat Kid Begins. Bat Kid, yeah, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and you. He's uh he's he's actually editing something for me today, so Ooh. that's awesome. Yeah, love him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so again, the the song was originally by by Hall and Oates, and then afterwards in 1985 there was a a cover version done by Paul Young. And what's funny is it it actually I had a little trouble figuring out which Paul Young because there are two Paul Youngs that were singers. Huh. huh. There was one who was part of Mike and the Mechanics, who I used to love their music. Did you ever hear any Mike and the Mechanics oh, songs? Yeah. Uh huh. You know the 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 Living Years and All I Need Is a Miracle. I like that song. Yeah. I, I I love those songs. I, I'm I'm a big yeah. '80s. You know, you you and I are are both children of the '80s. You know, yeah. Children of the the '70s and '80s. So, you know that I I love that music. But it it wasn't that Paul Young. It was actually the 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 British Paul Young, who oh funny who uh was born in uh, 1956, Paul Anthony Young. So he did a cover version of it that that became number one on the Billboard uh, Top 100 in 1985, which is interesting for a cover to reach that point. You know? yeah. And, yeah. And I know it did sound like the the version in this one seemed different. Yes, from the, version. the version the yeah. version in this movie is done by a group called Blue Room, which I wasn't able to really find out who they are and what they did because there's nothing about them. But on IMDb, back to our earlier conversation, they they have three movie soundtracks that they that they appear on. And surprisingly, all three of them are John Hughes movies. They oh, have a song wow. they have a song on Ferris Bueller called I'm yes, Afraid. Yeah, apparently. Hmm. There's a song on some kind of wonderful Cry Like This. And then there's a song on this movie, Plane Chains and Automobiles, Every Time You Go Away. And this is a great version of the, the, the song. It works really well the way that it plays out. You know, they, they have a very long instrumental over, over the past, I think, minute and a half or two minutes. And then they, right before this minute starts, they begin with, with the, the lyrics and we get a little bit of the lyrics here towards the end also, which, which yeah. is great. You know, so I, yeah, I don't really no, know who like, Blue Room is and it's, it's, very strange. It maybe it was John Hughes who did it himself. I don't know. Maybe he had like maybe it was his family yeah. band. I don't know. <laughs> he uses music so well. I mean, yes. I, I would also say not that you're asking about the rest of the film, but like, but I I think throughout the whole film he uses music for comedy so 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 well. I love that yeah, about it. Completely. 
He's, he, yeah. he was he was amazing at that type of stuff. So then we yeah. get the the first on screen credit, which goes back to what you said before. The first on screen credit is directed by John Hughes. So apparently, because the the beginning of this movie does not have any credits, the only thing we right. have is the title. You know, the right. title with the sounds of the the plane, the train, and and the car going by. And so first credit goes to directed by John Hughes, and then right afterwards written and produced by John Hughes. So I would think also. You know, why didn't he just is is there a reason why someone would split it up instead of having all three together? Um Yeah, I mean I think it gives you more you know, they're all such difficult jobs. I mean, like directing I, I think it just depends who you are, you know, okay. what you're that's fair. There might be a rule. I mean there might be a rule and they might and the rules could have changed like from then till now. Um so I don't know, maybe maybe but I, I would think if he didn't care, you could do what you want. I'm just not quite sure um, if you could put them together. Like it's a, it would be a technical question for the DGA. Um, but I would think now you could do it. I, I've um, seen movies which say directed, written, produced, you know, by the same person. I, I, I can't think of one off the, offhand, but I know that yeah. I've, I've, I've seen that. This isn't this know, isn't something I've, new. Yeah, I mean, in shorts that I've done, I usually do like sometimes I've done like directed and written, written and directed by, um, sometimes it feels like when I'm deciding for myself, like if I've done every, a lot of things, it feels a little like annoying to be like directed by Dana Nachman and then written by Dana Nachman and then produced by, I mean, it just feels right. stupid. So exactly. just kind of comes um, but I think sometimes it comes, I think it's probably pretty personal if it's not dictated by the studio or, or the guild or, um yeah and maybe sat maybe uh the writers guild also has something like i i don't know mm, um, be, and, right. producing, and the producers guild <laughs> right and then yeah. the producing really comes into that whole thing i was saying earlier like like the order and some of that i think um is tends to be because um oscar so the the producers for best picture are the ones who accept the Oscar for the picture, you know? Um, so it matters. And I think only like two can be credited or something for the Oscars. Um, again, I don't know the details totally, but like, I'm trying to think of what film, there was a film in the last several years. that, 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 that They had like four or five and there was a really big issue about it. I remember there was something about that. Uh, maybe, yes. it was, maybe it was 12, 12 years a slave. Is that possible? Maybe, maybe, but yeah, that becomes, so ever since then, that all the stuff, like I was saying, gets worked out ahead of time. Like, and usually, and then also I know this because I, one time I, when I was um, qualifying one of my films, short films for, for the Oscars, you have to like sign a affidavit that, that for the producers, I think maybe all the, all the roles, but I think definitely the producer, you have to, that you did these, and there's a list of things like, so you know, sometimes if you give money, you could be an executive producer, but there's, you have to set, you should be, you really shouldn't be credited as a producer unless you do these, this list of jobs Oh wow! and they make, they make you sign that you did at least 80% of the, these jobs. Um, so it's interesting. So it's that it's so, you know, toward against someone getting a credit with, just for, just for funding things. Yeah. Right. And people, cause if, if somebody who didn't do the jobs gets the credit, it means because there's a limit that the person who did do the jobs doesn't get the credit. Right. <laughs> so, um, so that's why, and it, and just giving money isn't enough. Like it has to be the real, 
day-to-day producers and there's and and if you go if you ever are interested like I, I have to go on this all the time just to think about jobs um on the there's several producers like pga has it but then some others have it where you can say like hey, if you've done this like if you've given money this is your title if you plan the logistics of the shoots this is your title like it's very laid out so that there's not fighting like if you didn't do this job then you're not that so like oh, wow. sometimes we we refer to that when we're hiring um because we're like okay what exactly is the job going to entail what's the um job we're really looking for and that's what we're going to offer rather right. than just saying a producer because the producer there should only really be one or two working day-to-day producers on I mean, on, on these big films, there's right. more, but yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I was, I was actually shocked to, you know, do, doing a podcast, you know, after I finished my whole first season, I was in the second season. So someone said to me, you do realize that you're the producer of this. And I, I never even thought about it, you know, mm-hmm. so, so now I'm on IMDb as a producer of a podcast, you know, so, you know, I, I, I have, I have an IMDb credit or actually I have yeah. many so that... IMDb credits, but it's all the same thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Because because I you know I'm, I'm a producer and I'm also the editor and you know yeah I, I basically do oh. everything here so you know I found that to be really cool that I I finally legitimately was able to get on time to be without having to fake it you know? <laughs> yeah that was a goal that was a goal that's awesome yeah, yeah. congrats so, so well I I put myself there but still <laughs> no but it's legit I mean because you have to I don't know about podcasts but like for films like they 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 double check to make sure it's not BS. Um, they haven't, they haven't taken me off yet. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess for That's now I'm good until someone yeah. complains, you know, yeah. and then the credits begin and we get, uh, you know, the first credit of Steve Martin and then a credit of John Candy. And then we get a double credit on the same shot on the same screen for Layla Robbins and Michael McKean, which is really funny. The fact that, that two actors who have very very short scenes in this movie and short screen time are getting third and four or I, I don't know if you would even say third and fourth credit or or just third credit because you know would you consider that the same credit if they're both on you know on the same line yeah like third position right okay yeah. so both of them get third position now now so I went back today and did a little bit of research to see how much screen time each of them had I mean again we mm-hmm. mentioned this is a 93 minute movie so Michael McKean is in a total of one scene Okay, wow. and he's on for about ninety-two seconds. Which which scene is it again? He, he's the cop who pulls them over in Wisconsin, oh, yeah. uh-huh. which isn't Wisconsin, you know that type of thing. Um, right. So he's he's in a scene that lasts about ninety-two seconds. So that's what I'm saying. That that was orchestrated by his agents, very specifically, um, and both of them were. Like, right. so it's not a matter of who was on for longer, who had more prominence in the film. It's a matter of, I'm only going to say yes to the, it's like a real um, jockeying thing. And then yeah. once, once you've committed to that person, that position, you can't give it to anybody else. So you really have to be careful of when you offer these things, right? Because right. Michael McKean had a, a longer part that was cut. He, he part of his role was also on the cutting room floor. Right. You know, maybe it's only another minute or two. It wouldn't, you know, it's not, we're not talking that he was right. supposed to be in a half hour of the movie, but there, there was still a little more. And Layla Robbins, for instance, she's in, I think, seven or eight scenes. I, I, I tried calculating specifically how much time she's on, and I came to roughly about three minutes. Which so one again, is she again? 
She's the wife. She's, yeah. So she would have had a, I mean, that made more sense because that's a bigger role. I mean, in the prominence of the yeah, film. Yeah. But again, you know. three minutes of screen time. <laughs> that's crazy. You know, I but wonder, again, it was, it was a lot more film. Script, how much it was. Yeah, a lot more. There, she had yeah. a lot more scenes. Uh, again, it probably would have only come up to seven or eight minutes maximum, you know, but still, right. if you're talking about a 93 minute movie ratio, where most of the movie cool. takes place on the road, so there isn't that much that she would be needed for there. And then right. we, we continue with, with the credits. We get uh, the director, director of photography, which is uh, Dan Peterman, and then production designer, who you mentioned earlier that a production designer is supposed to be very high up on the the list also you said that didn't you oh i don't think so you said you said something with production uh oh production um um manager oh that's uh, not the same thing as that, production designer no the production designer the production designer is a really cool job that i didn't i didn't really fully appreciate until i did my I, i've just done two scripted shorts which i hadn't done any scripted before but the thing that's so neat about production design is that they it's their job to create the entire world um so they take like an empty world and they make it whereas in a documentary which is what primarily what i do the world is created you know it's the real world and we just shoot shoot in the real world right like in the hotel rooms that they had i mean sometimes they're not even real hotel rooms they're in a sound studio and literally from scratch you make the entire world. So everything, you know, this movie is a little different because a lot of it was outside and running around airports or whatever. But if you really go into the nitty gritty of any one of these scenes, that person made that world. And it's so cool. You know, and that wow. and the same is for um, the sound department. Whereas in a documentary, like you're capturing the natural sound of, of the world that we're really in, in the film. You're creating complete, it. Right. Yeah, it's complete silence except for the uh, the dialogue and then the world you know the auditory world is created completely it's it's an amazing thing so i think these things are are really fascinating to look into wow okay and then we continue we get the edited by paul hirsch which we talked before about the the fact that the editor did an amazing job of cutting this down uh wow, I, yeah. with with help of of john hughes obviously you know who, who apparently was making the decisions you know how how much do you yeah. let the editors the editing, decide things on their own? Editing's super fascinating. I mean, as a, I mean, the pacing, and I would think in a comedy, the pacing is hugely important. Um, that, you know, just a split second makes it funnier than, you know, if, like a difference, you know? Uh, it's an amazing thing. I actually, I'm only, I actually only am halfway through reading this book, but there's a great book about editing called, I think it's called In the Blink of an Eye. Um, and it's about like, you know, all these, these cuts that people make in, in films that are just, I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of cuts yeah. in these films and it's an amazing thing. Yeah. What editors do. I think I love editing. It's awesome. And then, and then, you, you know, now we have the, the recent trend of, of having movies that, that seemingly don't have any cuts, but they're even more fascinating because they have cuts, but you just don't see them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that, what was that war one that was it? It was 1917. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was super fascinating. Yeah. I mean, that takes so I mean, that must have been a pretty easy job (laughs) editing it because a lot of those decisions are made, you know, have to be made in the field uh, very, very, very specifically. And that's 
that seems like making movies is so hard and I find it so hard that like adding that level of complexity to me would just I'm not talented enough to do that that is crazy <laughs> you'll get there yeah. you'll get there you'll get there <laughs> I don't know then then we get the credit for associate producer now again each of these are are credits of their own you know on mm -hmm. on on the screen the, we haven't gotten to the credit role yet or anything here it's yep. just you know the, the the title cards I guess you can say so then yeah. you have associate producer and then you have music score and then you have costume designer and then casting by you know the the, the two women who, who did the casting mm -hmm. and at this point the song that we were talking about before every every time you go away ends and then we hear mm -hmm. the like a little bit of a of the sound effects with the the plane going by in a train and, and a car and then it it then once again on the screen we see a john hughes film and then the music changes again and we get this the, the this the techno sound from the from this movie which you know they have like it sounds like a record scratching at the beginning mm -hmm. and then you know we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow when we get into it and then it it starts and it has uh, executive producers so then we have the the two executive producers uh which which are listed there and that's pretty much how this minute ends hmm. Good. So yeah, it was, it was it's it's interesting to to have what to talk about with with just credits without having to go yep. into each and every one of them, but yeah, but still to uh, you know to to point out things along the way. Yeah. So sure. I I know that today is th this episode is coming out on a Tuesday, but uh, every Monday we do a segment called uh, Martin Monday, and mm -hmm. since Dana wasn't with us yesterday, so we're we're gonna today go through her top five. Steve Martin movies, even though it's not Monday. So it's, it's Martin Monday on Tuesday. Okay. So, so Dana, what, what's your top five Steve Martin movies? We'll start from number five and work your way up. Okay. I would say Parenthood. Then just keep going up. Uh, unless you want to explain why. You don't have to. It's your, your, your decision. Yeah, I don't think I – I mean, all of the – well, Parenthood, I, I don't even remember why I liked it, but I, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um father of the bride i've watched a million times i love it um i don't know he was just so earnest and funny and like it, it was just it was very funny um this one i would say is third um i think i mean it was a little tough because I, I watched it most recently but i think roxanne would still be second and i just loved the spanish prisoner when I saw it, I, I don't even remember why, but for a while it was like one of my favorite movies. I should watch it again, but I, I love that. And I loved him in it because it was so different than anything I'd ever seen him do. I right. thought he was awesome. Yeah. Um, cool. In a not comedic kind of sinister yeah. role. Yes. Yeah. What's your favorite? Ah, you'll have to wait and hear the the, the, the final episode of, of this season to hear that because I'm, I'm basically – Tally, I'm gonna tally up everyone's uh, oh, every, cool. everyone's top fives, and then I'll uh -huh. I'll say what the top fives were based on you know who who got the most points I guess you can say, and then cool. I, I will reveal at that point my my three top fives for wait for... is the last episode tomorrow's or is no. it no 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 you're gonna have to you're... okay so today's a Tuesday Sunday will be the final episode and we're okay. this week we're going every day so we get another five I think five episodes or we have right after today we have five episodes one with you 
three with another one person and then the final episode. Okay, got so, it. So yeah, you'll you'll have to wait until till Sunday, July third in order to hear. Okay. It. All right. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll put it in my calendar. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. Awesome. And so every day we have another segment called Off the Beaten Track, where either myself or my guest will give a little story about an anecdote about an adventure or a misadventure that one of us uh, had during the course of our lives. So Dana, you, you have a you have a nice travel story or adventure story you want to tell people about? Sure. Um, so on my 21st birthday, um, I was going uh, April 2nd. Wait, that was, was, that was going... last year, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to Florida for spring break. With... I was in college. And um, our plane, my, my dad had come to college to take me and my friends out to dinner the night before. Um, and I was very hungover. Um, and we go to the airport and our flight from Connecticut to Florida, uh, we got on the plane and it got rerouted to Galveston, Texas. There, I don't remember why, if there was like a storm or something. And when so you were drunk, how would you know? I know, I know. <laughs> My 21st birthday in Galveston, Texas, or wait, I don't even know where, what airport's near Galveston, Texas, like Houston or something. And, um, we didn't have any clothes because our clothes, it was me and a friend and our clothes had gone to Florida. So we had to go to like, you know, and this was like before cell phones and before anything, like, I don't think we had a lot of credit cards. Like we didn't have any resources really. So we ended up going to whatever the local place you could find clothes was like in the night. Uh, like they didn't even have targets then I don't think, or that I knew of, but someplace like that. And we got like one set of, cause we were, we were like really hot in our clothes. You know, we were in winter clothes uh, from Connecticut. And so we had, we got funny rompers and we had to spend like a day and a half in Galveston on my birthday and just tried to get into bar. It was just ridiculous. Wow. It was funny. Okay. And fun. That sounds, it sounds like fun, you know, probably, <laughs> probably not something you want to revisit, but uh, you know, it's nice. It's nice to have that memory. Right. At least I could say I was in Galveston, Texas. I mean, there you go. I've, I've never been to Galveston. Closest I've been yeah. is uh, I was, I was once in a conference in San Antonio. That's as close oh, as I got. Yeah. And I was also in Houston. So I don't know which one is uh, closer. I think it might've been Houston. I don't remember fully yeah. because you know, when like you get rerouted somewhere, like you, you didn't plan to go there. So you weren't really focused on, you mean like oh, Neil and Dell? I had another funny you, Texas story. You, like Neil and Dell? Huh? <laughs> like Neil and Dell getting rerouted to a, a different airport that, that they didn't expect? Yeah. Oh, we had another one, actually, that's a little more like planes, trains, and automobiles, which was we were shooting. It was for work. We were shooting um, something in Arkansas, Little Rock, and the person we were interviewing um, only she, – she, she was like – she only had like one hour like that she could possibly do it. Um, and this like, and we couldn't miss this one hour and we flew from San Francisco to Texas. Uh, I forgot where in Texas again, <laughs> Texas to me is like, whatever, I don't know, maybe Houston. And there was a storm that came in. So all flights from Texas and Dallas were um, canceled. And so since we only had this one hour, that was the next morning, we had to get there. So, and we have, we have so much gear when we travel. So we pile up all of our gear into a rental car and we drove many, many hours, um, like to Arkansas. And my 
friend and colleague who I was with, he um, had just been broken up with the night before by his girlfriend and he was super sad and he cr- like was crying the whole time. And I was trying, and we had one cassette tape and I was just trying to play this cassette tape and like, and then we made this game to see how many crosses on the churches, like all there was was churches and American flags. And so we were playing this game of how many crosses we could find and how many American flags we could find. Wow. And I'm <laughs> trying to do anything to like make him st- like stop being despondent. And that was a very funny trip as well. And we made it. We made it. Great. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that story. And I was thinking for both of those stories. They're, they're great. No All right. So you feel like coming back again tomorrow and talking about another minute of credits? Sure. <laughs> All right. Great. Yeah. So you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Oh, my website is DanaNockman.com. Dana, D-A-N-A, Nockman, N-A-C-H-M-A-N, uh, .com. And then you can email me from there. Here's right. my phone number. Just kidding. Want to give your phone number? Go ahead. <laughs> if, I, I don't know if from this podcast you're going to get more jobs, but uh, you know, hey, why not? You never know. Yeah, you never know. Check out my IMDb. That's always the best because then you see what films I've done. Just as I have many times. So well, I've seen most of your movies, not all of them. There's a few that the few that I can't find, but we'll we'll talk oh, about really? that some other time. Yeah, we'll talk I'm about sure that. I can them to you. I, I'm sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> and finding me is very simple. All you do is just a quick search for Move Your Up Minute. You can find me on my website. You can find me on Facebook. And you can find me on Twitter. So until tomorrow, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs>